Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Standby. Welcome to the Lightspeed fourth quarter 2021 earnings call. At this time, all participants are in listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star one on your telephone. Please be advised that this conference is being recorded. If you require any further assistance, please press star zero. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Gus Papagiorgio. Please go ahead. Thank you, operator, and good morning, everyone. Welcome to Lightspeed's fiscal fourth quarter and full year 2021 conference call. Joining me today are Zach De Silva, Lightspeed's founder and CEO, Baron Nussi, Chief Financial Officer, and J.P. Chauvet, President of Lightspeed. After prepared remarks, we will open it up for your questions. We will make forward-looking statements on our call today that are based on assumptions and, therefore, subject to risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially from those projected. We undertake no obligation to update these statements, except as required by law. You can read about these risks and uncertainties in our earnings press release issued earlier today, as well as in our filings with the U.S. and Canadian securities regulators. Also, our commentary today will include adjusted financial measures which are non-IFRS measures. These should be considered as a supplement to and not a substitute for IFRS financial measures. Reconciliations between the two can be found in our earnings press release, which is available on our website on cedar.com and on the SEC's Edgar system. In addition, our commentary today will include key performance indicators that help us evaluate our business, measure our performance, identify trends affecting our business, formulate business plans, and make strategic decisions. Such key performance indicators may be calculated in a manner different than similar key performance indicators used by other companies. And finally note that because we report in U.S. dollars, all amounts discussed today are in U.S. dollars unless otherwise indicated. With that, I will now turn the call over Stacks. Thanks, Gus. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. Before I get started, I just wanted to welcome everyone from Bend, the Lightspeed team. We are thrilled to have Anna and her colleagues join Lightspeed as we seek to transform the retail experience for our customers and consumers alike. This past quarter closes off our 2021 fiscal year, and I think it is safe to say that it has been the most transformative year in the company's history. Despite a global pandemic that was particularly hard on our customer base of small and medium-sized businesses, Lightspeed managed to deliver some of the strongest performance in the company's history, undertake three landmark acquisitions, which greatly improved our presence in the key U.S. market, list on the New York Stock Exchange, release a series of new offerings, including Lightspeed Capital, curbside pickup, e-commerce for restaurant, order ahead, and subscriptions, and launch two major strategic initiatives with Supplier Network and our recently announced global partnership with Google. Our transformation was definitely by design, but also highly influenced by our environments. I believe that every one of our customers will look back on the past year as the moment where they realized 
that an omni-channel strategy was no longer optional. It has become an absolute necessity. Never has our goal of arming our customers with the technologies they need to operate and scale their business felt so relevant. And we are proud that they have chosen Lightspeed as their technology partner of choice. We were happy to end the year on a high note with Lightspeed delivering quarterly revenues that exceeded previously established guidance and street expectations. We grew revenue 127% year over year with organic software and transaction-based revenue growth of 48%. Lightspeed payments had another record quarter and grew revenues both year on year and from the previous quarter. And we are now present in over 140,000 customer locations when we include the recent acquisition of Vend. Some notable customer wins in the quarter included AG Jeans. This premier denim and knit warehouse chose Lightspeed's modern cloud-based platform to upgrade from their legacy system. AG Jeans will be using a series of Lightspeed offerings, including payments, in their 18 locations across the U.S. Tommy John, this husband and wife-backed venture, designs, manufactures, and sells quality undergardens for men and women in their six locations throughout the U.S., using Lightspeed Retail and Payments. Zeus Street Greek focuses on high-quality and consciously sourced ingredients. Zeus Street Greek maintains 20 quick-serve restaurants throughout Australia and keeps the Lightspeed to improve their operations through features like better inventory management. In usual Lightspeed fashion, it was a very busy quarter. In addition to announcing and more recently closing the acquisition of Vend, we launched payments in the United Kingdom undertook a very successful offering of $620 million and more recently announced our strategic partnership with Google to improve the discoverability of SMBs on that popular search engine. Brandon will take you through the numbers in greater detail. I would like to focus on some key topics, including the recent announcement of our partnership with Google, some of the initial success we are experiencing with the integration of our latest acquisitions, and some of the more recent trends we are seeing in our business. Earlier this month, we announced a partnership with Google. The goal of this joint initiative is to improve product discovery for small merchants on Google's popular search engine. Through the Lightspeed platform, our merchants will be able to display live inventory levels on Google search results. Rather than ordering online, consumers will know they can walk down the street and find what they are looking for at a local merchant. Our rich Google integration also allows merchants to easily manage ad spend and improve the discovery of their locations, truly unlocking the omni-channel potential of businesses powered by Lightspeed. We believe this initiative will help small merchants compete with large online marketplaces. However, when combined with the capabilities of Supplier Network, we think the two are even more powerful. Supplier Network allows merchants to pull high-quality images directly from their suppliers' catalogs. By enabling our merchants to display both live inventory and compelling images, we believe the consumer experience will easily rival anything from big box competitors. I think initiatives such as these illustrate that Lightspeed has evolved beyond being a simple point solution with a payments offering. Our scale and technology allow us to go beyond helping SMBs simply manage inventory and transact. We are helping them solve a greater variety of challenges from online discovery to optimizing their supply chains. As we continue to evolve, I believe our value proposition can go beyond the merchant and the supplier and onto entire industries. By acting as the common thread amongst merchants, suppliers, and consumers, we believe Lightspeed can help make products more available, merchants more successful, and consumers more engaged with local retailers. 
I think this will be especially true in our focus verticals. Part of the reason we are able to expand our ambitions, attract partners such as Google, and invest in new technologies is our scale. That scale has been a result of our considerable organic growth, but also thanks to our M&A efforts. M&A has always been a part of our strategy, and in the last six months, it has been front and center. Over time, we should continue to recognize the benefits of our M&A strategy across our entire business. But I believe it is important to highlight that we are already seeing some of these benefits. As many of you know, when we acquired Shopkeep and Upserve, both of those companies maintained high levels of payments penetration within their customer base. However, the economics they were recognizing were inferior to our own. Since joining Lightspeed, we have had success leveraging our combined scale to recognize more favorable terms from one of our payments providers. Improving the payment economics for these acquisitions was always a priority, but in this case, we achieved our goals much earlier than anticipated. This is one of the reasons we had such strong results in this quarter. In addition to improving the top line, our greater scale is also helping on the cost side as well, notably on our customer acquisition costs. Our increased scale and brand recognition in the U.S. market is resulting in increased traffic to our own site, with U.S. site visits up 50% in this quarter versus the same quarter last year, which generally leads to more cost-effective lead generation for Lightspeed. In an industry where customer acquisition costs are increasing, we are happy to see our costs remain relatively flat. I think these two examples illustrate that the benefits of our M&A strategy are not distant or qualitative, but rather immediate and real. Over time, we will continue to recognize more and more benefits as we harmonize our go-to-market teams, fold the best of all technologies into one Lightspeed platform, and continue to use our scale and technological depth to deliver more solutions to our customers. Before I hand it over to Brandon, I just wanted to highlight some key trends in the quarter. Overall, as we entered Q4, we were seeing increased lockdowns, which negatively impacted our business. But as we exited, we saw some regions begin to lift those restrictions, and March proved to be a very strong month. We saw new business really advance, especially in EMEA and in hospitality. Payments again had a very strong quarter, both in terms of revenue and new customer wins. We added more payments customers than in any other quarter so far by a wide margin. I think we are experiencing strong trends for various reasons. Firstly, I think Lightspeed is benefiting from economies reopening globally. We maintain strong footprints in the U.S., U.K., and Australia, all of which are in advanced stages of their COVID recovery. But even in regions where lockdowns are still present, like Central Europe, we are seeing signs that our customers are beginning to prepare for an eventual reopening. France, for example, has been showing very promising signs in recent weeks. Secondly, as payments becomes more widely available, we are seeing that offering continue to boost our overall growth rate. Payments has only been made available in our hospitality business more recently. As hospitality GTV improves when economies reopen, we should see payments continue to be a strong contributor to growth. Finally, and I think most importantly, we believe our customers are recognizing that an omni-channel approach is no longer optional. Before COVID, many of our potential customers understood the inherent benefits of a cloud-based omni-channel commerce platform, but were perhaps too distracted by just running their business to undertake the effort to change. The challenges of the COVID-19 pandemic have made it quite evident that business as usual is no longer possible. Merchants need to be able to conduct business on their customers' terms, be it in-store, online, or through curbside pickup. 
and we believe Lightspeed is becoming the platform of choice as these SMBs adopt omnichannel strategies. As I said at the beginning of my comments, this past year has been the most transformative our company has ever seen. There is no shortage of challenges ahead of us, but as a company, we have never been stronger or more confident than we are today. I am very proud of what we have accomplished in the past year, but I am even more excited about what lies ahead. And with that, I will pass it on to Brandon. Thanks, Dax. Another good quarter across the board. As you heard from Dax, we continue to be encouraged by the trends we are seeing as economies around the world reopen, along with the benefits we are seeing from our increased scale as customers seek upgraded technology to help them run their businesses. Looking at the building blocks of our business, everything starts with customer locations, which grew to approximately 119,000 on March 31st and is now over 140,000 on a pro forma basis, including our recent acquisition of Vend. This is up from 115,000 a quarter ago and from 76,500 last year. As we anticipated, lockdowns around the world in the first part of the quarter impacted new customer location additions in January and February, particularly in Europe. However, by March, we had our best customer location addition month ever, with strong demand coming from all markets and a resurgence in hospitality and Europe as those markets began to prep for reopening. All told, for the quarter, gross location additions were up 51% from a year ago and 27% organically, a strong result, all things considered. While gross customer location additions were terrific, as we mentioned last quarter, we did face ongoing heightened churn, particularly in hospitality, reflecting the toll of the lockdown some of our customers have faced. We've seen that moderate into April, however, but so long as the pandemic remains, we will continue to be cautious in our outlook to reflect increased churn owing to business failure in our customer base. The great news is that we're seeing plenty of reasons for optimism in our customer base as customers find success using our omni-channel solutions to reach their consumers. This shows up in our GTV, which was almost 11 billion in the quarter, up 76% from a year ago. Excluding shopkeep and upserves contribution, overall GTV was 7.6 billion, up 25% versus a year ago. Omnichannel retail continues to perform exceptionally well for us, with GTV up 65% from a year ago organically. Within retail, e-commerce volumes were up almost 100% from a year ago. Hospitality was down 15% year-over-year organically, but saw a solid resurgence in March, which continued into April. March grew approximately 10% sequentially from February, and April grew by approximately a further 15% from March. We're quite bullish on how these trends continue as economies reopen around the world and look to our Australian market as a bellwether here, which saw GTV growth of over 75% year over year in the quarter. ARPU per location was up to $215, representing an increase of approximately 50% from a year ago. Subscription ARPU, which excludes our transaction-based revenue stream, increased by over 10% as more and more customers adopt functionality beyond the basic POS. An ARPU increase as a result of payments grew significantly given the success we have had with driving payments revenue. Lightspeed Payments continues to be an exceptional performer for us. We had our best quarter ever for customers contracting for Lightspeed Payments alongside their core software subscription. 
and overall payments revenue was up by well over 300% from a year ago. In the last month of the quarter, our overall penetration of GTV was approaching 10%, excluding upserve and shopkeep, showing the runway we still have ahead of us. All of this led to overall revenue of 82.4 million, up 127% from 36.3 million a year ago. For the full year, revenue was 222 million, up 84% from 121 million a year ago. Excluding the impact of shopkeep and upserve, revenue was 51.2 million in the quarter. And within our total revenue, our software and payments revenue for the quarter was 75.3 million, up 137% from 31.8 million a year ago. When excluding shopkeep and upserve, organic software and payments revenue grew by 48%. And for the full year, software and payments was 202 million, up from 107 million a year ago. You will see in our filings that we have provided supplemental disclosure of our subscription revenue and transaction-based revenue. Subscription revenue for the year was $119 million, or 54% of our total revenue. This represents growth of 51% from the prior year. Transaction-based revenue, representing our payments business, plus our legacy payment referral-based revenues, was $83 million, or 37% of total revenue, and was up by 195% over last year. Included in transaction revenues was the impact of a newly negotiated contract with our payments partner at Upserve and Shopkeep. This new contract did two things, provide us with better economics than the businesses were achieving on their own, and also brought us better control over the end customer relationships. As a result of this, we were able to realize an uplift in revenue of approximately 7 million in the quarter and greater gross margins as well. This is a great news story reflective of how our scale has improved our negotiating power. But it's worthwhile noting that even without this, our revenue performance for the quarter handily beat our previous guidance of 68 to 70 million. While we will continue to work on bringing all customers from our acquisitions to Lightspeed core offerings over time, this contract amendment does put us closer to the economic outcome we expect in the meantime, far earlier than we otherwise had planned. Gross margin for the quarter was 53% and was 57% for the year. Overall gross profit grew by 85% in the quarter and 57% for the year. The decline in gross margin year over year reflects the growing impact of our payments business and lower hardware margins achieved this year due to various incentives we extended to our customers to encourage adoption of our solutions as economies reopen. Adjusted EBITDA loss for the quarter was $9.6 million, ahead of our guidance of 12 to $14 million, and was $21.2 million for the year. And adjusted EPS was $0.09 cents a share in the quarter and $0.23 cents a share for the year. As a percentage of revenue, adjusted EBITDA loss declined from 17% a year ago to 11.7 this quarter, reflecting the ongoing leverage we are seeing in our business model. You'll note a new item on the income statement, a restructuring charge we booked in the quarter. Following our most recent acquisitions of Shopkeep and Upserve, we reorganized the leadership layer of the business to ensure we maintained organizational agility and to capture certain synergies. As a result of these actions, we anticipate annual savings of approximately $8.4 million and recorded a $1.8 million severance cost charge in the quarter. All told, a really great quarter 
and a great year for the business. As Dax mentioned, this year was a transformative one for us, and I'm really encouraged by the positioning of the business in our markets. Which brings me to our outlook for fiscal 22. There's reason for plenty of optimism as we look ahead. The trends we are seeing in markets that are reopening, the ongoing benefits of our increased scale, and the tremendous opportunities that still lie ahead in payments and financial services are some of the contributors to this optimism. For the first quarter, we expect to achieve revenue in the range of 90 to $94 million, and adjusted EBITDA loss of approximately $10 million. For the full year of fiscal 22, we expect revenues to be in the range of 430 to 450 million dollars, with adjusted EBITDA of approximately 30 million dollar loss, or 7% of revenue, which has improved from approximately 10% this year. With that, we'd like to open it up for questions. Thank you. As a reminder, to ask a question, you will need to press star one on your telephone. To withdraw your question, press the pound key. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Our first question comes from the line of Andrew Jeffrey with Truist Securities. Your line is open. Hi, good morning, uh, everybody. I appreciate you taking the question. Uh, nice job on renegotiating payment terms uh, on recent acquisitions. And, and Brandon, you mentioned that you now have more control over the, the merchant relationship. Can you elaborate on what you think that means for potential penetration of the back book at those recently acquired companies? Yeah, um, thanks. Uh, thanks for the question. Um, it's all good news. Um, you know, we're quite pleased with. Uh, our ability to get this done at the pace we got it done um, and what this amendment does is most importantly allow us to achieve better economics but uh, not too far behind that of course is just getting better control over the end customer relationship which is important uh, to your question I think it really opens the door for us to continue to um, migrate uh, the back book as you called it at, uh, at a good pace this year, alongside um, what we do with the rest of the Lightspeed's core business. So this really kind of opens the door to let that happen. Okay. Looking forward to, to seeing that. And, and I think encouraging comments, too, on customer acquisition cost. C can you provide an update on what LTV to CAC looks like today and or what the, so the break-even time uh, by cohort is? It, it sounds like that's improving pretty nicely. Yeah, it is. I think it all starts with the some of the ARPU stats that we gave. Um, you know, we're seeing that grow 50% year over year, which, um, you know, is pretty core to the thesis of, uh, you know, we just think there's a lot more economics to capture per customer. That, of course, leads into um, uh, an ever-improving LTV to CAC ratio for us, um, which has been, um, you know, uh, also pretty uh, pretty fundamental to the model. 
um, you know, we're really, really encouraged by what we're seeing in terms of leverage, sales and marketing as a percentage of revenue has, has come down significantly year over year. Uh, and and all that kind of comes together and allows us to continue to invest for growth, which is, you know, what we're privileging right now, uh, given the given the uh, position we feel we're in in a market that uh, is only accelerating right now in our view. Um, and, and our ability to capture more dollars per customer, of course, allows us to, to keep that investment uh, uh, at a level that makes sense uh, for the overall business with, a, with an eye to uh, long-term um, this being a, a really profitable business. I appreciate it. Thank you. Your next question is from Danielle Chan with TD Securities. Your line is open. Oh, hi, good morning, and congrats on a strong quarter. Um, you talked about uh, you're seeing the benefits of the reopening. Have you seen the, the mix of e-commerce versus brick-and-mortar GTV re regions uh, that are reopening? Have you seen the mix of that change? JP, you're on mute. Sorry, I can see you talking, but... Can you hear me now? Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, no, so, um, very quickly, sorry, I don't want to lose too much time, but, yeah, you know, we've seen, um, when you look at our business, e-commerce continues to be very strong, so we've seen growth year over year, uh, you know, at about 100%. Uh, retail, physical uh, brick and mortar has rebounded, and we, we've seen, you know, growth up to 65% year over year. And hospitality, of course, with, uh, you know, the curfews and, 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 and COVID, have continued to remain uh, low, where they're still under year over year. But what we've seen in the last quarter, and we, if we look at the month of March, we've seen uh, a real rebound there. So um, I think for us, what's important is, as we've always said, omni-channel is core. And, and I think the value of LifeSpeed is we can, we can help our merchants service their customers on any channel. And here with uh, now we're seeing the reopening, which are seeing revenues go back into strong growth on physical. And um, so makes us very, uh, very positive about the future. Okay, thanks. Can you remind us that there is a difference in economics between online payments versus brick-and-mortar payments transactions? Slightly better online, um, not, uh, not you know, overly materially different, but um, yeah, we do get slightly better online. Okay. And then just one final one for me. How are the early days of payments doing in Europe? I know you just recently launched it, but is the adoption rate comparable to what you saw when you first launched in the U.S.? Thanks. Early, early days, Daniel. So um, um, more to say in the future on that. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're optimistic that will be a great market for us. It's just uh, really early on at the moment. Our next question is from Rhino Lancho. Good your line is open. Hey, thanks for squeezing me in. Um, the last quarter you talked about Australia as an example for uh, you know a region, country that is reopening. Can you just kind of maybe kind of continue there? Like how did that kind of evolve from you know uh, the opening last quarter? And then uh, the follow-up to that is then if you look at March being the strongest quarter, was that kind of pinned up demand or do you think that's the new normal? Thank you. So Australia continues to be very strong. And actually what we've seen in Australia, we're starting to see in the UK with all the reopening. So 
again, our, our thesis here is as markets reopen, this is going to be a strong positive for Lightspeed. Uh, GTV in Australia is growing 75% year over year, and I, I think that's a great number considering last year they were not in the same position we were with COVID. So what we're seeing is as markets reopen, there's a lot of new concepts that are created. There's a lot of, uh, the, 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 lot of investment going in into our market, and this creates a higher GTV and a lot of demand for our products. Thank you. And then the, um, if you think about it, you had the strongest uh, new customer quarter you mentioned, or a month in March. Is that like, do you, do you think that's a pent up demand, or is just like a idea of what's going to come? Thank you. I, I think it's the result of um, Lightspeed having a good offering for the market, and the result of a very dynamic market and the reopenings. So we, we we've, we've always felt good around the after COVID world. And everything we see now confirms what our thoughts have been, which is after COVID, Lightspeed is even more relevant, given how strong our platforms are for the, the physical world. And uh, yeah, so I think March, if March is re a reflection of what the year is going to look like, we're very happy. All right, perfect. Congratulations. Your next question is from Tana Simskopoulos. With, with BMO, your line is open. Hi, good morning, guys. Um, with respect to the new payment agreements um, for ShopKeep and UpServe, just to clarify, um, did you move those from a referral relationship uh, to, to Lightspeed Payments? Are you now pay tax to those customers? Uh, if you could confirm that. Yeah, we didn't. Um, um, so I think as we mentioned, there was going to be a period of technical integration um, with these newly acquired businesses that uh, was going to take us some quarters. Um, so we haven't completed that, um, you know, that work still remains ahead as, as my earlier comments um, hopefully reflected. And our, our intention is to obviously not just with payments, but with with, uh, with everything we do is to, to get all of these customers on the Lightspeed core offerings. Um, but recognizing that that was going to take some time, what we did was approach payments partners and say, you know, look, we've got this infrastructure we're happy to take on more of the obligation historically had been um, and um, that uh, and then also leveraged kind of the, the scale of the business to um, encourage folks to give us uh, better economics on the on the overall transactions as well so um, it, it just allows us better customer control um, it, it got us better economics uh, which which is really important and uh, and we were able to do it all on a, on a much quicker pace than we otherwise would have. So, that makes sense. Is it a, yeah, but to clarify, then that means that maybe over the next year, as you, there could be further upside in economics as you actually move some of those customers to full lightspeed payments. Is that the takeaway? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, Dax, if you could give us an update in terms of uh, just the integration of the various platforms and, and where that stands. I mean, obviously, early days for events, but just in terms of uh, the prior acquisitions, uh, what remains to be done to get everything on the common platform? Yeah, so I, I think we're, we're highly encouraged by what we're seeing on the hospitality convergence of platforms. Um, you know, we've, uh, we've, we've got our, our flagship product now, you know, being sold in, uh, in, in, in EMEA. Currently, we call it K-Series. Uh, and that'll be making its way to the U.S. Um, you know by summer, 
but you know, we we also have amazing assets, analytics from Upserve, um, you know, uh, uh, other other functionality around uh, inventory management for for restaurants uh, from uh, from uh, from Counta that will all make it to the reference platform. So on the hospitality side, where you know things are things are really rolling, um, and we uh, we we expect to have an extremely competitive product worldwide uh, this year. Um, on the retail side, uh, retail e-com side, we are. Uh, we're, we're also, you know, um, barreling forward on, 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 that, on that convergence plan. And uh, we're going to go from what I think is the best retail cloud platform uh, to, to a truly unbeatable one with, uh, with the combo of, of, uh, of Shopkeep and, and, and all the Lightspeed technology assets. Great. I'll, I'll pass on. Thanks. Your next question is from Josh Beck with KBCM. The line's open. Thank you, team, for the update. I wanted to go back to the Google integration. That seems quite notable. So I'm just curious, once this is fully fleshed out and rolled out, will a consumer be shopping online and maybe whatever the category is, say a bicycle, and see, okay, this is, for example, what I could buy from an online-only merchant and right next to it, like here is an image from a supplier at the bike shop down the street. So I'm just, you may not know at this point, but I'm just kind of curious how this is going to be presented from a consumer perspective. Yeah, local inventory ads are, uh, which is, the, you know, Google Leah, that's one part of our integration with Google, will um, will we'll show a consumer where they can buy that that item, you know, nearby. Uh, you know, as a business, now in Lightspeed, you can set a radius that shows where where your locations are and and what they're what what radius they serve. Uh, and so, um, serving up high image, high quality images potentially from our supplier network uh, allows them to be prioritized in the Google search engine. So it's discoverability for for local merchants. Those merchants may also have an online presence, so it may it will serve to, to drive traffic to both channels. Uh, and and that's really the idea here is how do we help our businesses succeed as omni-channel merchants. How do we drive traffic to them? And I think Google is the perfect partner for this. And if they want to go further, they want to go further than uh, than, than these local inventory ads, which are free as part of our system. Uh, they can set up smart shopping campaigns, um, uh, which is also a part of this integration, which allows them to uh, to, to more act proactively market uh, to, to to customers in their area. Very helpful, Dax. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean, all of this is part of our strategy to actually help physical businesses have the same strategies as digital businesses. So giving giving the ability for someone who's spending an ad online at Google to actually measure the real return on investment in physical sales. And I think that's that's really exciting. And, and that's, again, the value of our platform in the cloud is we can now do this. That, that, makes, that makes total sense. I also wanted to ask... On the new customer front, you had some pretty high-profile, well-recognized brands. When you look maybe just across the, the composition of, of the gross ads that you bring in, do, do you feel like there's a, a notable shift up market taking place, or maybe that's just more natural evolution that, that you've seen and the types of, of customers you're bringing up? Yeah, we've seen it. Since the beginning, so you know, we started. We had a lot of single locations, and then we had multi-location. 
And what we've seen across time is that we have, you know, bigger and bigger customers, but it, uh, I think it's just a natural growth. Uh, what we did, remember last year, is we said we put in place a team in charge of mid-markets, and, you know, we structured the company to support mid-market in a better way. And I think it's just the results of, uh, of that strategy that are paying off now. Really good to hear. Thanks, team. Your next question is from Tim Chiodo with Credit Suisse. Your line is open. Great. Good morning. Thanks for taking the question. I want to dig in a little bit on the location ads. That was a, a real highlight of the quarter, a top leading indicator of future results. So in terms of the mix, uh, if we think about any group of new locations coming in, let's just say there were 10 or 100, just to make the math simple, can you just talk about what portion of those would be newly formed businesses just being created, a new retailer, a new restaurant, versus existing businesses that might have switched over to light speed? And maybe just talk about how that might have evolved, what, what that percentage, those mixed percentages might have looked like maybe a year or two ago, and what it might look like now, and how it might look ahead as more and more new businesses are formed coming out of COVID. Yeah, so I think, um so we haven't seen an evolution in the blend. Um, so we've always had kind of a, you know, give or take it, the, the same blend of, you know, new creations, people creating new concepts versus uh, versus switchers. So we have this logic of starters and switchers, and, you know, the, the blend hasn't changed. However, what we've seen is that, you know, during the pandemic, we had more and more digital demand. Uh, where we had a lot of demand for curbside pickup and we had a lot of demand for e-commerce. What we're seeing in the markets that are reopening is that the demand goes back the other side where there's a lot of demand for uh, for physical platforms and, and actually for new concepts. So I think for me what we're seeing is as markets reopen, the blends uh, uh, in terms of digital versus physical go back to what they were pre-pandemic, but we haven't seen any kind of visible shift from, oh, these are only people opening new versus switchers. I think we've always had a good blend of each. And and what we see also is that uh, on different geographies, we have very different demands. And and the markets that are completely reopened, like, you know, now the UK or, or, uh, or, or Australia, we see a lot of demand that goes back to the physical world. Okay, great. That's, that's really good context. I really appreciate that. Uh, a second question or a follow-up, somewhat, uh, I guess, unrelated, actually, but back to the payments business. Uh, within some of the revenue share agreements that you have, either with your existing within Lightspeed's revenue share agreements, so not Lightspeed payments, more of the sort of traditional ISB rev share business that's more legacy for you guys, and then maybe in some of the acquired properties as well. I understand there's some non-solicit agreements in there, and, that, and there's sort of a time frame where you can't, uh, maybe approach all of those customers as quickly as you would like and maybe put a little bit of a governor, but that should be opening up at some point. And maybe you just put a little bit of context around the mechanics of how that works and how that presents a nice opportunity ahead. Yeah, um, you know, I think I think it's pretty standard practice um, in, in this industry where, you know, you're getting um, uh, kind of a referral-based revenue stream from a uh, from one of the payment processing partners uh, that uh, coincident with that, you're signing a, a non-solicit. Um, these contracts also will have terms on them that uh, will expire uh, at various points. Um, 
So, and of course, we're, 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 these are partners of ours and we will honor every contractual obligation we have. Longer run, longer term, we just believe in the customer experience being a lot stronger, um, bringing together software and payments from a single provider. And of course, that's, that's the reason we exist is to make our customers happy. So in the long run, um, you know, we do expect to continue to wean off of these um, referral-based relationships, um, uh, but working, working well with our partners as we do so. Um, so there's various opportunities, Tim, and I, I know I'm not answering your question directly, um, but, uh, you know, there's various windows where we can, um, you know, take on that, uh, that um, activity a little more directly than, than, um, than we can currently do, and some of those windows will open kind of tail end of this fiscal year for us. Um, but, um, yeah, in, in, in the long run, you know, we expect all of we really believe the value prop of bringing these things together as, as strong customers will will um, will be coming our way uh, as much as we want them to anyway. Great. No, Brandon, that was really helpful. I really appreciate it. Thanks for taking both of those. No problem. Your next question is from Richard Seth with National Bank Financial. The line is open. Yes, uh, thank you. Uh, on the uh, shopkeep and upserve payment amendments, I just wanted to clarify, is it sort of largely the scale now of Lightspeed that uh, allowed you to sort of kind of get that bargaining power, or was it kind of you know, your relative uh, operating prowess to sort of recognize that opportunity uh, you know, post those acquisitions that uh, led to those amendments? I think it's all of those things. You know, if you, if you think about how this naturally would play out, you know, you've got uh, – um, a partner of those businesses um, uh, who, you know, now it gets to deal with a, a much larger entity where, you know, the, the greater opportunity is aggregating all these things together. Um, so that creates, you know, opportunity for them slash leverage for us. And then the conversation then ensues into, you know, what's important to Lightspeed, what's important to our customers, how can we do this in a way that, um, you know, puts our joint customer at the forefront and you know because we have the infrastructure and we become you know a trusted entity in the, in the processing relationships um, you know those partners are, are, are willing to um, uh, you know help us in that regard and help our customers in that regard so I think it's I think it starts with scale where you know like we have a much more compelling opportunity for these partners um, and then from there, um, you know, the, just our capabilities and our infrastructure allow that conversation or allowed that conversation to progress um, uh, pretty quickly, which um, which allowed us to, you know, make some of the improvements you saw in the quarter. Okay, great. And my uh, other question has to do with the, you know, you had, I think you talked about the subscription revenue about 10%. Um, and it's tied into sort of the supplier network, which sounds like it's actually um, a bit more, increasingly more meaningful, especially with that sort of you know, connection to Google. So is supplier network going to be uh, sort of a, a module um, that you know, uh, merchants have to pay an incremental fee for or will it be part of you know, Lightspeed uh, platform in general? Yeah, so I'll take this one. Um, the the way we look at it is the supplier network is a module is going to become as we go forward a module of the the commerce platform 
as we said, we, we really want to go deep into verticals that matter for us. And within those verticals, we really want to triangulate suppliers, stores, and consumers because there's a ton of value for everybody in the ecosystem. So I think here uh, we've had an incredible reception uh, from, from, from a lot of our suppliers. And actually what we realized from this is they want to go faster than we can, than we can go today. So we need to invest a lot in those capabilities to go, to go faster. But here, as we go forward, this integration and this visibility we give to suppliers to see what is the real sell-through at the store level and vice versa, the ability we give to stores to order directly from suppliers and see inventory levels at suppliers, we think it's key to the success in the verticals where we operate. So there's a lot as we go forward there that we're going to be investing in. Okay, great. And that supplier network is available across the board now um, to all merchants? And uh, It is. Okay. And we've been onboarding them very slowly, and there's a lot of, uh, again, we're very early in, in, in uh, you know, in setting up the whole structure for every uh, every vertical. But within, within we've been progressing a lot within uh, the key industry, but there's still a lot to do. Okay, great. Thank you. Richard, just to clarify one thing, maybe I misheard it, but um, the average revenue per customer, ARPU, on the subscription side was up 10% revenue, obviously, ahead of that. Okay. Your next question is from Paul Traber with RBC Capital. Your line is open. Alan, thanks very much and good morning. Just wanted to delve a little bit more into the Google partnership. Just without getting into specifics, could you speak to the general economic model with partners like Google? You mentioned it's free for the merchant. Is it coming up as basically free organic? search or and it's not part of Google ads or is is uh, you know are you paying effectively Google for it um, you know could you elaborate a bit there please yeah I think the, the, the basic uh, um, inventory ads uh, it's called Leah local inventory ads that is a part of the part of the Lightspeed retail offering uh, and that is that is uh, that will publish and make discoverable the local inventory within a radius for that store. Um, you know, beyond that, uh, retailers can set up smart shopping campaigns. Uh, that's another part of the integration, uh, and that is paid for. Um, you know, but it is eight times we've we've calculated that it's eight times more efficient to use a smart shopping campaign because uh, you know Google and Lightspeed leverage data to make to make that ad spend even more efficient, eight times more efficient than if if that retailer was doing that on their own with their own their own buys, and, and the idea there is to is to make sure that we're democratizing um, this kind of uh, this kind of capability so that it's accessible to all all SMBs uh, and not just uh, you know big box uh, retailer, big box econ that can afford to plan such a campaign or optimize such a campaign. Um, so yeah, one is one is um, free and one is a, a, a part of um, a part of a highly optimized uh, paid campaign. That's it, sorry, sorry, go ahead. If, ultimately, if the merchant is doing well, there's a lot of transaction volume, and that's you know how we get uh, the payback sure. is with like things. So, our goal again is to just get all of our customers to be more successful than the average when they're on the live feed platform. That, that that makes sense. Is there an opportunity to expand that out into additional ad networks? And then could you also surface the ability for your own merchants 
know, if they so chose, you know, pay for higher visibility, uh, you know, either you know, pay per click or pay per conversion. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think we, you know, we've gone from, you know, helping a business manage and operate a store, uh, you know, to interfacing with consumer, and now I think we're driving traffic to the consumer. Uh, and so I think that uh, this is a this is a big a big partnership that, that that shows what Lightspeed can do at scale, which is which is partner with the largest uh, you know the the, the largest uh, companies out there in order to benefit our customers. Uh, and I think there's lots of opportunities to continue to drive uh, traffic to, to to our customers. There's many channels, uh, and uh, you know we 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 want our our customers to be on as many channels as possible. Okay, great. Thanks. That's really interesting. The next question is from Josh Dyer with Morgan Stanley. The line is open. Great. Thanks for the question. Uh, a couple on M&A. It, it seems to me, even outside of the contribution from the renegotiated payment terms and you know, some of the commentary around efficient customer acquisition, like ShopKeep and Upserve together have outperformed under your ownership. I'm wondering if you'd agree in any context for what's driving that, like at this point are those acquired customers adopting more software, more light speed modules from you? Uh, hey, Josh. Um, yeah, so I think um, one of the things we're encouraged across our business, uh, and certainly what we see um, in Upserve and, and ShopKeep as well, is just the benefits of of the reopening. Um, if you think about Upsurf's business in particular, um, you know, we've seen the the um, GTV growth, which which in turn turns into payments revenue for that business, um, coincident with the reopening in the U.S. Um, you know, I gave some stats, 10% up March over February, for the 14% up in April over March, uh, and and that's been really encouraging. I think the whole hospitality segment of our business, of which Upserve is a beneficiary, um, uh, is, is uh, you know showing signs of, of good life um, as we go through the reopening and in all of our markets. Uh, that's what led to some of the outstanding numbers we saw in March. So I think that's a that's a main contributor, um, and I think you know there's other things we're doing inside these customer bases uh, to make sure that. They know they have migration paths and, um, you know, the things that they can do in the long run with light speed. And I think that's helping overall as well. But um, I'd say the primary factor has just been um, how the collective business, including those acquisitions, have, have benefited from the reopenings. That's helpful. And more broadly on M&A, I'm wondering if, if the strategy looking forward is the same in the past and really focusing, on the, I think, on the pace of M&A you know, meaning you've done a lot of acquisitions recently. Is that pace sustainable, or should we expect a period of digestion at this point? That's it from me. Thanks. So maybe I'll take this one. Uh, if you look at the M&A, um, first two things. Um, if you look at hospitality um, in the U.S. and you look at Upserve, uh, they're now fully integrated with Lightspeed. Actually, the CEO of Upserve is now the, the GM of Global Hospitality at Lightspeed Shirelle. Um, and then if you look at um, Shopkeep, Shopkeep's fully integrated also with Lightspeed and Mike Simone now being the head of Global Retail at Lightspeed. So I, I think we feel good about the acquisitions. We, we, we are seeing the returns. We've set up account management teams. 
you know, to upsell and also to cross-sell when customers are outgrowing the platforms we've acquired. So, um, and and even you know the, the CFO of Shopkeep now is in charge of Lightspeed Capital. So I think we're we're a good company at acquiring. I think we understand what we need to do, and I think we feel very good about the returns. And as you mentioned, the companies within Lightspeed are doing better than outside of Lightspeed. So with that in mind, we want. To, I, I I think we will continue to be active with M&A. Um, I think maybe the slight change is until now we you know we've increased geographical penetration and concentration by acquiring uh, companies that, that were in our sector. I think as we go forward, we, we're, we're more thinking now about how do we scale and and how do we you know combine more technology to help accelerate the growth of these companies. And so when we think about that, we think about omnichannel, which is key. We think about suppliers. But I think you can expect um, active M&A, but not within the same categories that we've had in the last few years. Thank you. Your next question is from Todd Kaplan with CIBC. Your line is open. Yeah. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, one quick follow-up on uh, the location count. Has uh, Shopkeep and Upsurge started to uh, benefit from uh, location growth as the U.S. has been opening? Certainly, um, certainly the Upsurge business has. Um, I think um, I think we've been, as you may recall, Todd, uh, with Shopkeep itself, we we very quickly moved that product into more of a nurture mode, um, and uh, you know, with Lightspeed Retail being uh, the core product, we're taking to market um, in North America. Uh, so that that customer base is a little bit different, um, but with Upserve, yeah, for sure, the reopening has been a um, a really nice contributor to that business. And then a follow-up. We didn't talk too much about, but could you just uh, give us an update on how that's going and some of the milestones for uh, the coming fiscal year? Thanks a lot. You broke up there, Todd, just when you, just on the subject of that question. Can you hear me now, Brandon? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The question was on Lightspeed Capital. We didn't talk too much about it today. Could you just give an update and what we should expect in uh, the coming fiscal year? Yeah, I'd say more encouraging signs there. Um, you know, it, um, we've rekindled the what was the Shopkeep Capital um, product. Um, uh, JP mentioned the former CFO of, uh, of the Shopkeep business has been uh, has been helping to uh, to drive that for us. So we're seeing um, lots of encouraging signs. Uh, we're seeing lots of good momentum. Um, and uh, if anything, our optimism is brighter than ever on that on that product line um, as we head into this fiscal year. It's still early, you know. It's still not a huge uh, a huge contributor, um, but um, from what we're seeing, both with our um, uh, rekindling of the shopkeep program and taking that a little bit wider across our customer base, and then what we're seeing with our ongoing relationship with Stripe um, in that respect. Um, Seeing good momentum across both of those right now, so pretty pretty encouraged. Though it is still early days. Uh, Mary, I think we'll take. We have time for one last question. Your last question is from Tian Chen Wang with J.P. Morgan. The line is open. 
Hey, thanks so much. I'll, I'll keep it quick. I'm, I'm curious. Did, did you give what the vend revenue contribution would be for for uh, fiscal 22? Yeah, when we announced uh, that acquisition, it's about 34 million in revenue. Right. So I, I wasn't sure if there was any assumed growth uh, beyond that, but happy to start with that. And just my quick follow-up. <laughs> It's, uh, it's just the gross profit contribution from the payment contract change. Um, I think you said seven million revenue per annum. So, what's the gross profit impact from that? Just to help us understand the the P and L impact. Yeah, we didn't give a specific number there, but it was um, you know if you follow through uh, what our typical margin is on um, on that uh, line of business. Um, uh, it wasn't quite to that extent, but um, uh, we got a nice little bump from that as well. Got it. Thank you, guys. So there are no further questions at this time. Now I turn the call back over to Gus. Okay, everyone, thanks for joining us uh, this morning on the call. If anyone has follow-up questions, please feel free to reach out to me. Um, we are around all day today. Thanks again, everyone, and have a great day. That concludes today's conference call. Thank you everyone for joining. You can now disconnect. This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high quality clothing and activewear like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton to adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride, purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com. And get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.